Hey, everybody. This is Dr. William Clark, and I'm your host for the Dr. William Clark Podcast, Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for Career Resources. And this is the time uh, that we come together to talk about all things workforce development. This is a awfully strange time for many people. We just got the news today uh, that unemployment um, is going to be backed up by at least three months. The unemployment office has been slammed with unemployment wow. claims uh, for six-month claims, and there will be a three-month delay, and that's major for a lot of people uh, who thought that, man, during this time of strange things happening that I can at least rely upon unemployment. And uh, it looks like that might be a bit of a challenge for a number of folks in our community here in the state of Connecticut. And I can only imagine what it's like in New York and elsewhere where the impact of this virus is much, much greater. But with that being said, we have committed to making sure that we empower you uh, and strengthen you with all the resources and tools you need to get through this time from an employment perspective. And while we are not going to pretend like this is not a tough situation for anyone by any stretch of the imagination, we do want to empower you. We do want to encourage you. We do want to give you good tools, good tips, good tricks that can help you on your journey. With that being said, we do want to pick up where we left off yesterday. We were starting this conversation, this amazing conversation uh, about the three soft barriers that stand in the way of the job search. And we've identified the three barriers we want to talk about, negative self-talk, transferable skills, and networking skills. But well, not unfortunately. Fortunately for us, we had such a good conversation that we only talked about negative self-talk. So we are going to do our best to work some magic today and to get through the other two topics today. But to do that, to help me do that today, we have our guests on from yesterday, Jahira Cabrera, Ren, Brockmire, Devonna Lewis. Ladies, how are you all doing this fine very day? Well. Thank you. Doing very well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So I'm glad to be on with you guys today. Um, so we talked about negative self-talk. I don't want to rehash that, even though that was such a good conversation. If you missed it, go ahead and log on to Career Resources Facebook page, uh, as well as our website where you can access that conversation. But I do want to talk about, um, I want to start with transferable skills. And, uh, you know, as we closed out the conversation yesterday, uh, talking about uh, negative self-talk and, and really trying to get folks in the right mindset as it relates to thinking about their job search, thinking about the process and the journey of landing a job. Ren, I want to bring you in here to talk about transferable skills. One of the things that we do well here in Strive Connecticut, um, we teach people how to articulate their experiences in such a way that makes them an attractive employee. When we introduce the idea of transferable skills, what comes to mind? Uh, what should people think about when they hear the term transferable skills? Sure, generally, a transferable skill is something that can transcend different uh, employment or job clusters. Uh, for example, uh, on the last podcast, when Jahara was talking about her own experience and how she took it upon herself to say, I have to go out and live on my own, take care of myself and be independent. She was a self-starter. That's a transferable skill. That's something that you can go in as an entry-level worker and as a self-starter, you keep seeing opportunities to enhance your performance. Another thing that um, she also mentioned was she went back and uh, completed her GED. She realized that 
I have to go back and that has to be an important achievement in order for me to go forward. She was determined. That's another transferable skill. Many transferable skills aren't necessarily something that you uh, may take a course for. It may be something that as you're working in your job uh, or even day-to-day -day things, um, a lot of times uh, in some of my cohorts, I've had women who had said, oh, I've just been a mom you know, for 10 years to four children. It's like, <laughs> really? There's a lot of transferable skills in our day-to-day -day activities, uh, you know, time management. A woman who worked as a waitress, for example, for 15 years, and her comment was, and she, she had to leave that position because of an injury, but her comment was, oh, I've only been a waitress for 15 years. So if you stop for a second, when you hear that, what's the first thing that jumps out at you? 15 years as a waitress at the same restaurant, becoming the head waitress in that process. So there is some dedication, some loyalty. Her employer recognized uh, that she was a good representative of their, his restaurant, his brand. There's a transferable skill. This person also um, just sat there for the first week in class when asking, well, what do you want to do? I, I don't know. I can't do anything else. I was just a waitress. I was just a waitress. We started to take apart a job description for a customer service representative. And I noticed that as we were talking, she kind of picked her head up and she's looking around and she's sitting back and she had a different look on her face. And I said, all right, something's going on. She said, well, I, I do customer service. I did customer service. And I said, all right, let's expand on that. She's, yeah, well, you know, as a waitress, you have to work for tips. What do you have to do to get good tips? You have to know your customer, you develop a clientele, you repeat customers, explain, you know, the menu, uh, de-escalate when something isn't right or you have an irritable customer or, you, you know, a party of four turns into a party of 10, you accommodate. So a lot of times what we do in with Strive is we look at a lot of um, their personal values, different things they've done, and we take a pause. And I always want to make sure that whatever skill they're talking about, let's flip it around and say, how would an employer value that? And it's amazing how from that, when we did start doing resume writing, they were able to use so many um, transferable skills or to define or to further describe how they could uh, function because of these innate transferable skills. It's something that they have done, they have experience with, and they could tell stories about. Yeah, that's real good. I mean, I think, you know, the, one of the things I'm drawn away from what you're talking about is, you know, we have to identify what converts over, right? We have to sure. identify uh, what is it that we do that converts over to the needs of the employer. And I think the biggest challenge I've always found uh, when working with people uh, as they've gone through their journey of uh, looking for their next job or their next opportunity is their ability to find language or words to describe what they do in a way that speaks to the new job they're going after, right? right. And you gave a great example about custom service skills. Um, I, you know, there are times I've walked into a class and I've seen one of our Strive trainers talk about uh, <laughs> how one's past uh, discretion or uh, transgressions uh, may have landed them in prison. 
uh, but there were quite a bit of uh, transferable skills that can be utilized in describing what they are capable of doing. Now, obviously, we don't promote um, any lawlessness, right? But it's all about even when you were doing things that got you in trouble, there's a work ethic that was developed. There was some type of skill competency that was developed that we need to tap into that type of mindset and figure out how it can be used the right way to support right. your family and to support yourself. For people, Ren, who were asking and saying to themselves, yeah, I mean, that sounds good, but how do I actually find those words? How do I actually define what I do? Uh, what advice can we give them to help st start jumpstart that process of saying, I do this and this is what it's called in the world of such and such that I'm trying to get into? Yeah, um, I, we started mainly with stories about, um, uh, I know, uh, different jobs that they had or didn't have, or I've been out of work for seven years because I was incarcerated. And uh, it's starting out with their vocabulary. And uh, then I had a, um, a flip chart with different skills on it, hard skills and soft skills and asked them to define what these, the class, to define what these were. And as people were listening, they were able to attach and understand that what they were doing was, for example, um, someone who may have worked on a newsletter while in prison, understanding that they uh, were writing stories or they were compiling, or they were putting things together. And they didn't see that. They saw it as, well, I was just doing it to keep myself occupied and stay out of trouble. All right, well, let's take a deeper dive into that because what kind of writing skills, what can you do with that? Um, the other person with the waitress position, communication skills. You know, you say customer service, and as we talked about it as a group, the idea of you're communicating, well, you have to communicate clearly, you, you have to make your point known. So these different aspects, that's verbal communication. and just kind of, I think it was more working with the group and helping the group to start uh, reinforce and identify and draw that out. I tried to take a back seat as much as possible so that the interaction happens with the cohort and it's more of their peers recognizing that. And then as even the peers, as they were talking, you know, they would come up with examples of themselves doing different skills. Time management, for example, you know, the mom that had the four kids all under age 10, getting them out to school on time, you know, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big, big tall order. And it's not to be uh, looked at lightly. It's a very important thing. So even though it may not be a job and you're sitting at an interview, there are ways to word that to say, well, this may not sound job related, but as a mother of four under the age of 10, getting everyone out to school on time with their lunches and their homework and their, you know, and, and clothes, that's an accomplishment and I can transfer that. So then you start to launch it into how does it parlay into what the employer is looking for? So let's get a little practical, Ren. Um, you know, you and I have been doing this for quite a long time. Let's give out some tools people can tap into to find language. And um, I think one tool that folks know in our industry is, is ONET. Uh, I think it's ONET yeah. online or ONET.com. Yeah. Um, another one is Indeed.com. 
LinkedIn uh, articles, job descriptions. And the reason why I'm throwing those out there for the listening audience uh, is because if you're looking for language tools or language to define what you've done, you need to start with the job you're targeting, right? It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It's the job you're trying to get to. And when you do that, and ONET does a really good job of this too, Mm -hmm. when you identify the job you're looking for, it talks about the skills that are necessary to be successful in this job. And it's at that point you can start to see, as you talked about, oh, they want somebody to do this and this. Well, I've done that Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. job. And then at Strive, we start to help draw those connections, build a link or a bridge between where you are and where you're trying to go and start to adjust the language on your resume so that you, as a job seeker, can draft the best resume possible. Are there other tools out there that you've utilized or noticed that really helps and makes a difference? Well, ONET, as you mentioned, is to me, um, that's superior to anything else because what it doesn't, it will bring you to actual jobs, but in describing the job position, for example, uh, I took an exercise, we used ONET and we just looked, we, we didn't, I didn't reveal the type of job, but we just looked at the skills required, duties and responsibilities, and had people look at those. And, you know, they were identifying what they could do. And when they, I forgot what the job was, but they were just really like, wow, that's what that requires. And I've got all these skills. The woman who was the waitress, um, the more she looked at that, now in her 15 years, and she became a head waitress, uh, she became responsible for scheduling for when individuals called out, uh, for the uh, setting up the cash drawer, balancing it out. She had a lot of responsibilities. And when she started to look at these things, she may not have had a certificate, but as has been, was, has been pointed out, many jobs will say, you know, they may require a certificate or an associates or something like that, or comparable experience. So when you start to look at the comparable experience that you've had in other jobs, you write about it. Um, I also encourage my students to go ahead and find job descriptions on Indeed that you want to go after, and then dissect it. Look at the words, figure out where do you fit in on that. And that's exactly what uh, one woman, well, the waitress woman, or someone else too, when we finished her resume, she said, wow, you made me look like someone. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Those are what you've been talking about. And this, these are the skills that you do. We put it into the language. Um, Google, you can Google anything for transferable skills and language will come up. They will do uh, like um, a matching. So I always encourage people, use your imagination, go out there, use, ONET is a fabulous resource. Um, But again, any job description or a lot of times many of these search areas also have little webinars or explanations on how to connect your skills to the language. Um, but I think the best option is Strive because we're actually there. We have a lot of resources. We have done job development. We do workplace and transferable skills as you know, part of our basic, basic core requirements. Um, so I really think tapping into something that is going to help you feel more comfortable. Many times we can do these things individually, but having the support of someone saying, yeah, you're, yeah, that is a good analogy or that is exactly what it is. And that support system kicks in. Yeah. And I'm going to bring uh, Jahira and Devana here too, to be a part of the conversation. One of the things that, uh, that I also want to call out too is LinkedIn is a powerful tool. 
And 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 for those of 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 you listening and watching, here's here's what I recommend, right? If you find people on LinkedIn that you truly admire who are doing things that you believe you want to do or you're called to do, first of all, you want to link with them on LinkedIn. Obviously, that's the whole point. But then take a look at their profile. Take a look at their resume on LinkedIn. It's, it's a public forum where people talk about what they've done. Look at the words that they're using. Look at how they're describing their experiences. Look at how they're putting into context what they've done. And if that still is attractive to you, again, it goes back to what Ren just talked about, dissecting it, reconnecting it back to what you've done in the past, etc. Uh, we have some comments flying in here. Uh, Marcus Sherry talked about look at previous job descriptions as you talked about, Ren. Uh, Keisha says don't automatically count yourself out. Break down the job description. You know, and I think that's something else that we've taught a lot of our clients to do too, to look at a job description, simplify it, and look at what's been done. And I know have, having worked with Marcus for a while, one of the things we do talk about quite a bit when staff are looking for another other opportunities, uh, whether internal or external, I think a lot of people have a lot of self-doubt. And I want to bring Jahira and, and, and Devana in and talk about the self-doubt a little bit, where they feel like they are not qualified or capable. Mm -hmm. uh, Devana, why do you think people historically don't? Why do people? Why do you think people historically feel like they are not capable of doing their dream job? And what stops them from looking at their skills that they have that are transferable? Well, for one, I think Ren really hit on it. You don't, you don't value the skills that you do on a daily basis as something that you can apply into the professional world. And if it's something that you have never seen before, and it's really just a dream or a thought, and you've never really seen it, it's hard for you to actually be able to step out into it. You know, it might be a little fearful that, you know, am I going to be able to make it? You know, and, you know, is anyone going to look at me, you know, thinking I'm, you know, overstepping myself or, you know, stretching myself too far. And sometimes you may have that, that motivation to do it, but you're fearful that you're not going to be able to keep up, you know, once you get into that um, profession, you know, and how people are going to look at you and if they're going to receive you or not, you know, so a lot of it does have a, it has a lot to do with what they've already seen in their perception of what success looks like. You know, I want to be successful in this, but I've never seen anyone do it before. So what makes me think I can do it? You know, so it, it, it does, it takes a lot. It, it takes a lot for you to value and take stock in yourself and then be able to put feet to it. So let's talk about that a little bit, because yesterday we talked about negative self-talk. And you're saying fear stands in the way of people seeing what can transfer over. Here, here's the thing that I do want to dig into a little bit with Devana, because I, I do respect fear as a formidable opponent and enemy of a lot of people who are looking to land their first or next job. Uh, but I do want to talk about the importance of transferable skills and having to get over the fear uh, as you were articulating, once you get the job, and we can't help you get the job, right, at Strive, that is different from helping you keep the job, mm. okay? You can sell yourself all day long, but keeping the job is key. Part of keeping the job is a result of the soft skills we talk about throughout Strive. And if you want to learn more, you want to uh, be a part of the Strive network, just go to careerresources.org. You can sign up there. But in order to keep the job outside of what we do talk about in Strive, 
there's something else that I think that keeps people from keeping the job. And that is not noticing the transferable skills. It's the topic we're talking about, right? If you don't know that you have customer service skills and you don't acknowledge it, you don't accept it, you don't receive it, then when it gets hard at work, you will find any and every excuse to quit or disengage. Talk to us about what you've seen, what you've experienced when times get hard and people, or maybe you have wanted to disengage, but you had to remind yourself that, nah, I'm cut for this. I got to dig back in. Oh, I think you said a lot right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, wow. I think it goes back. You really, you, you hit on it when you said that you're not able to recognize the skills you have. And once you start, once you recognize the skills you have and you're actually walking it out, you're seeing the result of it and you're able, and it's starting to grow. I think once you start applying it and you start seeing the, the productivity of it and the growth of it, that is what motivates you to want to see more growth, to want to see yourself go that next level. But if you don't, it's the whole being aware. If you're not aware of the fact that you know how to communicate, if you're not aware of the fact that you know how to problem solve, if you're not aware of the fact that you are a great team player, then you're going to, you're, you are going to, you know, fade to the background, you know? So it really takes that, it takes that time to just to value yourself, you know? And, you know, for myself, you know, just really recognizing the fact that I've done this before, or I do this every day. You know, I'm that person that people look to to help solve a problem. I'm that person that people look to to find a resolution to a conflict. So why can't I do it here on the job? You know, I'm that person to where I am a self-starter. You know, I have great ideas. I can't come in and, you know, try to, you know, throw a little flavor into it. Why can't I do that on the job? So once you start working and you start walking out certain things, little things will start you know, it, little things will start clicking, but it's up to you to actually start putting feet to it. You know, is that really how, how far and how motivated are you to go to that next level or do you want to stay stuck where you are? So I think a lot of it has a lot to do with your own personal growth. Where do you see yourself? You know, do you actually think you can go to that next level by applying this little skill as we will call it, you know, this little skill of being able to communicate, this little skill of being able to be a self-starter, you know, and, and let it grow, you know? So that's what, and so personally, that's what I had to, I had to take those skills that I knew that I did on a daily basis. And I'm like, you know what, if this works over here, let me apply it here. Cause I've yeah. seen the result of it. I agree. And it looks like Keisha agrees too. She says people sometimes settle, um, uh, Renee says sometimes we compare ourselves to people and it makes us feel abnormal and we, oh, we wow. start to feel and look crazy. Um, uh, Marcus Cherry talked about perceptions of, of being a professional, uh, and pushing past the discomfort. And I think that's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Renee said, sometimes we minimalize our self-worth. Uh, Kiwan says sometimes we hold on to past failures or shortcomings. Uh, Marcus said we have self-doubt. Here's the thing, right? I'm going to say something. I know you're going to know where it comes from. Um, but here's what I think 
I see a lot of people struggle with, and Jahiram will bring you in here too. I think people disrespect managing the little things well. Oh, yes. Okay. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the full thought. If you can manage a few things well, it is presumed you can manage many things well. Mm-hmm. And, right. and I think a lot of times people um, disrespect what it means to manage the little things because it's done in obscurity. No one's looking. No one's around. No one can validate or support what I do. And therefore, they feel disheartened about the entire journey. The truth is, whatever you do in obscure places, whatever you do when no one is around, actually is building up the requisite skills, the requisite competencies that allows you to manage complex things. And I've seen it play out over and over and over again. I mean, you look at the way we manage our children until they show us they can manage the little things when they think we're not looking, then we can't feel like we can trust them. Uh, When I started my career years ago, interning at these places that no one saw me, I used those obscure moments to build skills that ultimately landed the big, big internship and the big, big job and and so forth and so on. And Jahira, I want to bring you in here for this piece of the conversation because I think that a lot of people are wondering, even early in my career, when I'm when I'm looking at opportunities uh, to to grow my career and advance my career, uh, what can I do even at a young age? Uh, to make this happen, to make things happen in my career that will allow me uh, to make that conversion over to managing things again in the job I really, really want. So you have to unmute. There you go. Okay. All right. So um, I would say, you know, you have to, you have to be able to you got to be able to let go at some point of, you know, of the fear of, okay, I want, I want to say something about when you mentioned be when you're being watched, right. Whether you're being watched or you're not being watched, that is very true. Like people do look at you and, um, and see, um, you know, where, um, I'm sorry, you said so much that I just held it in. <laughs> but right now I feel like what you said just like kind of left my it left me for a second. I'm so sorry about that. So can you repeat the um the question one more time? No. So for people who are of the same age category you're in, they're mm-hmm. looking to make that leap into the career that they are targeting. How can we encourage them to honor and take advantage of the little things, the, the small job, the jobs that seem insignificant, and, and to encourage them to let them know that this does lead to the stepping stool of you landing the next job. Oh, definitely. Or the job so, that you want. Right. So um, I can give myself as an example. Um, you know, I've, I've had many jobs, retail jobs, um, where I had to be like very flexible. And I've always thought like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. Um, you know, or I would look at people and be like, you know, I'd be like, why is it that I can't be there? Like, I have the skills or I have the knowledge, um, you know, I just, but 
my whole thing is, you know, you can either take the stairs, you know, or guess what? Better yet, let's take the escalator. If you take the escalator, you're not going fast, but you're not going slow, right? Um, with my youth, I try to encourage them, you know, they'll look at me and tell me, you know, how is it that you got where you got? You're not much older than us. And I don't always use the technique that I say I'm blessed because a lot of people don't know how to interpret that. But I say it takes discipline. It takes discipline and knowing who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what you're going through in your life. If you can discipline yourself, you can absolutely get to where you want to go. But that means you have to sacrifice. There are sacrifices that you have to make. You know, you always have to start from the very beginning. You know, things you don't just, you know, you, for, for instance, Dr. Clark, you know, you, you've started off as an intern. You know, you, you've told us a story before about you not, um, you know, you didn't get paid at one point to do a, a job. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, so it's all about you volunteering. It's all about you showing people, you know, where you can actually, who you are, the value you hold. Um, by even volunteering, you know, and that speaks loudly, you know, when you, if you put on your resume, um, I've volunteered here, people will look at that and be like, oh, I can hold this, this person accountable for that, excuse me, um, you know, simply because they've made, they've made it work, they, they went to a job where they didn't get paid, but they decided I'm going to do this, I want to do this, and when you just pick up on skills, when you pick up on experiences, you know, it, it can get you places and you never know who's watching. You know, you really never know who's watching. So you really, really have to continue to just discipline yourself and say, you know what, just because I feel like no one's watching, someone's watching. And it, it does come to a point where, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you're building yourself, you know, behind closed doors, whether it be for something you want or something you don't want or something you shouldn't be doing or something you're doing. Um, so for me, you know, when I, when I started at, you know, with, um, with career resources and I was at, um, Sergeant, you know, I had one point where I was by myself and I was just like, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm like alone. What, what am I going to do? I didn't know what to do. Um, at this point I wasn't yet case manager. So I would sit there and be like, okay, I got to utilize this time to do something something that could even shock, you know, my boss, my supervisor, you know, so what am I going to take the time to sit here and do? And I just opened up my journal and I started writing things. I would go in the OneDrive and I'd start looking at stuff. I'd go in the curriculum and see things. Um, you know, so that helped me. It gave me the ability to be like, okay, when I facilitate, this is how I can do things, you know? Um, so it's, it's about taking the time to dedicate what you want and how you want to do things and doing it even when no one's watching because like I said you you may feel like no one's watching but you just never know you know and you want to always give a good impression it's not about just first impression it's about good impression um all the time um make sure your voice is heard and you know if you're speaking from heart those who have open hearts will definitely understand um and yeah I feel like you know it's it, it takes it takes initiative you know you really got to be dedicated yeah 
That's good. I mean, you said a bunch of cool stuff and it reminded me of uh, my mom, mom Clark, who used to tell me that uh, she has eyes and ears everywhere when I was growing up as a kid. So I couldn't get in trouble anywhere around the city of Philadelphia. She claimed that she had people looking at me all the time. Right. And I actually believed her. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. Um, but but I think I think there's truth to what my mother said. Right. That people are looking and it's not necessarily people are staring at you. But those moments, even in public forums where everyone's around and people are looking at your mannerisms or they're looking at something or they're looking at the way you're handling yourself, they're looking at the way you're responding to a question, looking at the way you're engaging in a project. People are looking, people are gaining intelligence about you and what you're about. Jaira, I like what you said when you said some, a lot of times, uh, if not all the time, we've got to start from the beginning. As Drake said, we started for the bottom. You can't get here until you start from the bottom, right? It's just, it is what it is. And you talked about sacrifice. Uh, I needed to hear that, right? Because sometimes we forget that it does take sacrifice to cross over, to, to get to the point of where we're trying to get. And of course, I can't forget what you said about discipline. We got people flying in here with the questions. Um, Renee uh, says, you got to apply those small managerial skills to all aspects of your personal professional life because they're, they're both connected. And we've been talking about that over the past handful of months, that our personal and professional lives are connected. Who you are personally shows up at work. So if you, if you no shade to anybody, but if you show up late to work, you probably late everywhere. If you mismanage the budget for buying, I'm going to bring rent in here. If you mismanage the budget for buying pens and pencil supplies at the office, you probably mismanage your own money. You just, it, come on now. Like it just, it just can't be that I'm here somewhere else and I decide to be markedly different somewhere else, right? Renee also says your work ethics are taught uh, and you have to apply them all areas of your life. Keisha says you got to know yourself and what you're capable of accomplishing. Marcus says something that, that we always talk about. Uh, work for tomorrow instead of today. And what Marcus is actually getting at there is, and he said this, I've said this, and I think it's worth saying in this class, this web class that we're recording, and that is you got to work for the job you want to be promoted into. That's right. The promotion doesn't happen when you interview for the job. In fact, the promotion happens when you start doing the next job now. You start owning the responsibilities of the new job now. You start practicing for the new job now. Now, this does take skill, Ren, right? In order to practice the new job for the new job that you don't have yet, you got to master your current job. <laughs> and you can't right. just neglect your current responsibilities. Let's, let's talk about that for a bit. When you've gone from promotion to promotion, advancement to advancement, what type of skills, what type of things did you have to employ, as Marcus talked about, in preparation for a job of the future that wasn't yet available, but it was on your radar? Well, I'm going to go back to a couple of things Jahara said. One is um, discipline. Now, that's a transferable skill, and a lot of us take it for granted, but hand-in-hand hand with that was sacrifice. If you're disciplining yourself to be at work 15 minutes early so you can get your computer up and running or whatever you need to be doing, you're sacrificing something else. You're not staying up as late. Um, you know, there are many different habits that you have to change during the week to be that prompt, not just being on time physically, but mentally. Being able to take initiative, that's a transferable skill. I'm going to take the initiative to get to my uh, class half an hour early so I can make sure the smart board's in place, 
I can make sure all this is ready to go. So when students show up, wham, because I want them to watch as I lead. So in starting, when I finished my uh, second master's, I was in my late 50s, went into a completely different field. I knew I had to start at entry level. Knowing that, that was my stepping stone, but I knew that what I needed, I had a, I had a map for myself. I wasn't going to stay in that job for more than a year. And in that interim, I was going to take the initiative to get every opportunity to, if I could go to a meeting, if I could get names, if I could network, if I could push myself into here. I focused on where I wanted to go next by looking at the people I was meeting and networking with talking to them about their companies, their organization, asking them, so if you were to have a new position or a new hire, what are you looking for? Taking that initiative to inform myself. And sure enough, I did have a job offer while I was at the job, so that, that segued nicely. But again, I did the same thing in the next job because I had a five-year plan. And I knew in order to get up to that five-year plan, I needed to prove not just to myself, but as you're being watched, when I'm at functions, when I was doing presentations, when I was sitting in the back row because I couldn't sit in the front row, I wasn't leadership, I'm attentive. I'm using my active listening skills. I'm using these transferable skills that I know brought me to each level that I got to. But also, you know, reflecting and reviewing as to, well, why didn't I just settle for that first job and stay with that one company and hope that there would be um, a better position? I did my research. I mean, it was a good entry level place, but they didn't have a lot of positions open. They didn't have a lot of potential. I would be stuck there if I stayed there for three years in the same type of position with my background and experience that wouldn't bode well going forward. So you have to look at what you want to do, where you are at, and what skills might you really need to hone and say, I'm gonna go do this. I've never been a networker. Uh, I'm an introvert. I could, I, I love working at home, this is great. But I realized that I had to get back on my skin and realize that this is a role I'm playing to get somewhere. I don't have to live in the networking environment once I'm done with my job or my day ends. I may go home and go online and do some networking with LinkedIn, but I could see I would end it. So I, I just had to push myself to do some of these skills that now I'm very comfortable with. I have no problem whatsoever. So it's, you know, you can make an excuse and say, oh, I don't speak well in front of people. All right, you hold yourself back. You are saying you don't have those skills and that's bunk because you probably speak very well in front of friends, uh, your church, where you feel you're comfortable. So you just, you know, when I was trying to get over speaking in front of groups, I took my glasses off. So there was a blurry, fleshy pool out there. And that didn't interfere with my presentation, but I wasn't making eye contact and I felt very comfortable. So that, that became a normal habit. So a lot of what we are looking at is we look at our fears and many times fears are irrational because we, it's a lack of knowledge or a lack of practice or just not being there. So you, you just have to take that leap of faith. You need your positive networking support that's going to encourage you to do that. You need to not do the negative talk. We, you know, we all, I mean, I remember when I lost my ideal job, I had moved up there so quickly. My first thought was, you were too arrogant. 
how dare you think you should be in that position after only how many years in nonprofit work? Wow. I, I, I mean, I, but that's what I, I did that for a day, recognize what I was doing and saying, well, that's bunk. They just didn't know what I was worth. They're going in a different direction. I can do better. So there is some of that uh, resiliency that Jahara was talking about, the negative talk. In order to transfer skills, you have to stop denying that you have skills. You have to start appreciating every little thing you do. I'm the type of person that um, I get up every morning and before I leave the house, I want my bed made. I want the dishes cleaned. I want the place to look good when I get home. That may seem, seem petty, but that also is a reflection. Uh, my desk is not messy. I know some people say a neat desk, you're not doing anything, but you know what? I'm organized. I know where things are. I can go at them right. I don't have to go flipping through six piles of paper or, oh, it's somewhere on my computer. I forgot what I called it. I take the time to figure out what's going to save me time later. That's time management. That's discipline. And that is recognized. And those are the types of things. If someone says, give me an example of your self-discipline. Well, 20 minutes before I leave my job, here's what I do. I look at what I need to do for the next day. I put away the stuff I worked with. I bring out what I need to be focusing on. I've got my spreadsheets updated. That helps me to stay focused and on time and accomplished. So those are things that you may not see just because you make your bed in the morning. And I happen to live with someone who doesn't agree with that. So it's a funny half bed thing. Um, you know, those are the things that you can look at and start to see. That's what you do in private. How does that reflect in my professional life? Yeah, that's good, Ren. Uh, you got Renee in here saying you're my twin on so many levels. Uh, <laughs> Jahira, I know you had your hand raised. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to quickly say because, um, Ren, it reminded me when you said about your job, um, your last job. I was I was at a nonprofit back home in New York, and I was there for four years as a part time. I started off as an intern and my my dream was to I spoke of it since I was probably like seven years old and I've always said I want to go to work with my mug of coffee work on a computer and that's literally what I started doing and it started as an internship I went on my internship job and um you know I used to watch everybody who came you know across me and what they, what they did, the vocabulary that they used. And I used to just look at them like, I want that to be me. That needs to be me. Like I have that in me. Not only do I see it, but it is just me. It's the woman I want to carry myself as. And um, once my internship finished, I didn't think I was going to be able to, you know, get promoted to, even if it was just part-time, but becoming a program associate. That brought so much to me. And I was like, the dedication that I took, the determination, the the sacrifices. I, I once lived in Yonkers and I had to travel to Brooklyn, you know, and it was it was a it was a, a thing for me. Uh, it was it was it was a struggle. It was hard. But if I wanted it, I had to do it. And I did it and I got the best of it and I was gonna get promoted. But life happened. Then you start over, went back to zero, worked my way right back up, but Look what it all came to. I am now a case manager. Something I didn't think I would be, not because I doubted myself, but because I didn't think, hmm, 
is that where I'm gonna get? But I did it. I overcame barriers and I did it. I did it, I did it. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. I just wanted to say that. You're muted, Dr. Me. Clark. I was muted. Oh, okay. I was going to say this is a great place to transition. Um, I don't think we're going to get to networking skills, and so we're going to do a part three. But I think, you know, I, I do want to close with this question to all three of you all. You know, we've covered two of the soft barriers that stand in the way of the job search. What if what have you been learning from yesterday's conversation and today's conversation personally about these soft barriers and how they've impacted you? Uh, so we'll start with Jahira. What have you been learning about these soft barriers? Uh, and what have you been taking away from yesterday's and today's conversation? So I've learned that, um, you know, the more you're willing to, to speak up for yourself, the more your voice will get heard, the more people would understand you, get a better picture of you, more of, of, of what your intentions are behind saying what you want to say. Um, even if sometimes it's so hard for you to put the words together. Um, I also learned that, um, I mean, I learned so much yesterday from, from the beginning that we started our Zoom meeting <laughs> up until we finished. Um, but I've also picked up on, you know, honestly networking. You know, when we did iStrive, I've met you know, uh, not individually, but we came across so many of our partners and it was like so many of our, our colleagues. And I was just like, wow, like this is, this is major. I'm in something major. Like this is exciting. This is, it's scary sometimes because you, if you're an, if you're a, a shy person, you're always going to be nervous. But if you have in your heart, the feeling that I can do it. And even if there's that little doubt, you have to have the determination and say, I can and I will do it. If everyone here did it, I can do it. And it's not because if everyone can, if everyone did it, I can do it. It's because everyone is human like me. You bleed how I bleed. You, 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 you look different, but we're the same. And so I, I learned that, you know, even if you got to be a little vulnerable, that's okay. You know, you got to be understood. If you want to be understood, you speak up, you know, you make your voice heard and, and you just turn off your iPad, your tablet, whatever you have when you're done working and you think more consciously of how can I become better? How can I make things better? And you study whatever are the tools that you have, you know, you go on YouTube, you, you, look at TED Talks, you look, you look at Gary Vee, and you just tune in and you become that self, that, that higher self that you know you can be or even see yourself to be. And once you start doing that on a daily, you just become it. Yeah. There you go, including following Gary Vee. Devana, what mm -hmm. have you been taking away from um, the, 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 we only covered two soft barriers. What have you been taking? Taking away from negative self-talk and transferable skills. Let determination be your motivation. You have to have that sense of, I'm going to get there. 
I'm going to get to that next level. I am going to take all that's in me and I'm going to let it fuel me for my next destination and not let fear. And um, I have an acronym for fear. We use this at my, um, my church, false evidence appearing real. It's all about your perception. It's all about how you see things. So if you are seeing things in a more positive light, you're going to be determined to make it come to pass. You're going to be determined to make all that positive energy that's already resonating within you fuel you forward. So let your determination be your motivation to succeed and to be able to empower someone else. You know, taking all the, all the skills that we may devalue or we may overlook and actually letting them grow, letting them grow into something bigger than you ever thought that they could be, you know, to bring you to that next level. And by you growing, you eventually will be able to sow seeds into somebody else, you know? And so that way you're both pushing forward and it can definitely be not just a beautiful thing, but an impactful thing, you know, make it your, make it your purpose to be impactful on purpose in all things that you do. So that's what I, I'm taking from it. Yeah. So you said fear. Uh, you guys use it to say false evidence appearing real. Yeah. Uh, Renee said, uh, she typed it earlier in the comments. She defined fear as face everything and recover. And I uh, think those are both great acronyms. And thank you for that. Ren, what have you been taking away from um, the conversation yesterday and today? Uh, one thing that comes to mind, I said this before, you know, that the, the soft stuff is the hard stuff, meaning when you're working with people, that's the hardest piece. But when I think of negative or self-talk, when I think of us not recognizing skills, that comes from the soft stuff. The soft stuff is in our heads. The soft stuff is the conversation we have in our heads, negative, defeating, um, not reaching out. The soft stuff comes from what we've learned or we've been told we are from you know young people and it, it, it's a very it takes a lot of discipline to go in and stop the self-talk to go back and look at every skill you have and find the positive we are so bad at finding the positive in ourselves that's why it's so easy for our head to tell us you're too arrogant what did you why did you think you could do that job you got what was coming to you you know, over and over and over again. Why do we do that? We don't have good self images. Uh, we're just so used to hearing that from, you know, our past lives. And I, I really believe that it's, it, this is going to segue into the networking piece, but it's not only redefining how we view ourselves, but it's also identifying a new network. Who is going to be our support system? Um, coming into Strive, I have met so many positive people. I worked in environments where there was a lot of fear about talking to other people because, I don't know, everyone was out after someone else's job or some other weird thing, you know, and it's a very uncomfortable place to be. So when you're feeling uncomfortable, you got to trust that soft stuff. You got to trust to say, why am I talking negatively about myself? Why do I feel I don't have any skills when I held down a waitressing job for 15 years? You know, let's look at the positive and say, look what I did. Look what I can do. Even you know the smallest thing, uh, being an intern, if you can, or volunteering, 
yes, you have volunteer work on your resume, but if you use that head of the agency that you volunteer for as a reference, that speaks volumes. You're not just carrying boxes back and forth to do a community service. You're doing something more valuable and this person is ready to talk to you about it. So you have to look at all of your actions to really determine where's my positive? Where's the soft stuff in my heart? Where's my passion about myself? Where's my passion about what I want to be? So that's, that's my takeaway. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I'm taking away a couple of things um, in terms of negative talk. It, we talked quite a bit yesterday about the importance of the affirming word, mm -hmm. the affirming language that uh, applies to uh, you and you deserve to be affirmed. Uh, regardless of your background, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of uh, who's done what, who said what, you deserve to be affirmed. And the reason why you deserve to be affirmed is because you are who you are. And what you are is enough for the next opportunity. There's an employer looking for what you have to offer. There's a team in need of the skills you have to bring. There's a client base that's desiring, hungering what you have to offer. And it is now up to you, whether you just got home from prison, where you've been unemployed for a number of years, whether you're looking to make a transition, even though you're currently working, it's up to you to heed the call of people who want you. You are wanted. Someone wants to hire you. Someone wants to pay you. Someone wants to give you benefits. Someone wants to give you that promotion. Someone wants to give you that salary increase. Someone wants to give you that corner office. If that's what you desire, you have to affirm that within before anybody else can do that. The second thing I've learned is that we have to not only transfer, but we also have to translate. We have to translate our skills, translate our knowledge, translate our network, translate everything that we are, everything that we have into a new thing. And I think, you know, I think y'all would agree that what we talk about, what we've been talking about can sound very inspirational. I think Strive has that flavor to it, that inspirational preachy flavor. But then, then there's the science behind it, mm -hmm. that when you go on an O-Net, when you go on a LinkedIn, when you look at job descriptions, you go on Indeed.com, you see those things that you have done as a transferable, translatable thing to a new opportunity. And again, it goes back to the thought, the idea that you have to believe it. Ma'am or sir, you're looking for that job. Security Resources is the place that can help you, certainly. Mm -hmm. But when you come to through the Strive program, we help you navigate what's within. We deal with internal, with the soft stuff to get you in the right mind frame and in the right uh, headspace. Here's the last thing. That I've learned, and I think Jahira kept drilling it in over and over and over again. And she was drilling into us the idea that it takes time to mm -hmm. speak positive to yourself, and it takes time to translate a positivity to yourself and translate all your skills to the new stuff. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. Now, we say that to our clients, but let's be honest, it's hard to employ that personally. Mm -hmm. Would you guys agree? Yeah. It's hard. Somebody is standing in the way and you know that you need to get around them. It's hard to employ the stuff uh, that we teach. And so it takes time to let it seep in and sink in. So I'm encouraging everyone 
who is going through a transition right now, if you are the one that's going to be affected by the unemployment backlog, if you are in need of support for your transition into a new opportunity, are you looking to stay busy during this time of quarantine, would you agree with me? Would you speak affirmingly to yourself that you are capable of getting the next job? Would you agree with me and say that I am capable of doing the job that I dream of? Would you agree with me and say that I am qualified for the next opportunity? And if you're not there yet, it's okay. This is why career resources exist. This is why we operate the STRIVE program here in Connecticut. If you need help with that, simply go to careerresources.org. We can support you during that journey to help you speak affirmingly to yourself and to teach you how to transfer and translate all skills to a new opportunity. If you're looking to get in touch with staff members, you can simply uh, email Marcus Cherry at cherry at careerresources.org or Keisha Starks at starks at careerresources.org. Ren, uh, Devana, Jahira, we failed again today. Uh, <laughs> no, we we did not cover everything we were supposed to cover. <laughs> so I guess we got Dr. to do Clark? it again tomorrow. We're going to try to talk about, yeah. Can I just want to throw one thing in. When you were talking about uh, you know, the platitudes and the niceties, and I've worked with many nonprofits and organizations, and I did not like to hear all the positive yap yap. Um, and it sounds good. You can do it. And all these places just brought people to that edge of, you're telling me I can do it, great, great, and there was no how. The how comes from within, and that's what Strive works for. Not that we are going to get you a job or we are going to get you employed. No, we are going to bring you to that person that can get that job, and that's you. And to me, that, that is the part I like. We're doing the how, and we're supporting and working along with everyone else to get to that point. Yeah, Keisha says failure is not an option and strive. I guess you're saying strive. She said, y'all just extra. I guess we are extra. Uh, Jahira, you wanted to add something in here again? So I just wanted to quickly say, um, you know, when I, when I came into the strive team, um, you know, there was still so much and there is still so much that I'm yet to learn. Um, however, what I love about my team is that they pushed me and I at one point was just like why are you doing this to me but it brought something out of me and it was my full potential you know it brought out you can do this if someone can see it in you you have to believe that it's there you know I went to job corps um in New Haven and it was a beautiful experience for me and when I tell you that my, some of my coworkers told me, okay, this is where you're going to help us facilitate. I was like, wait, what? I haven't done that. I don't know. I need practice. I need time. And it was just that, that it's, that it happened in the very moment. And when, after all of that was done, you know, I, on my way home, I was really thinking, wow, you know, like strife is, is the place to be, you know, whether you're working with them as, um, you know, as a, as an employee, or if you're working with them to help you become a great employee for any job that you're going to go for, um, Strive is the place to be and the place to go. Yep. I agree. Come on in, Devana. <laughs> um, I want to piggyback off of um, well, really what Jahara Inren has said about um, Strive. One thing I can say is that Strive was an opportunity for me to bring in 
what I do on a daily basis in my personal life and ministry and bring it to work. Meaning being able to speak that positive language, being able to empower people on a daily basis, but then show them how, if you do this, the result of it. Like how we were saying, like the, you know, all the niceties and the fluff and stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't do fluff. No. What we do, we empower you. So therefore, you're, we're, you're building a foundation. So therefore, now you can stand strong and stand firm when the real storms come. You have the tools. You have the technique. And you're equipped for it more so than what you once were before you walk through our doors. You know, so we, we pride ourselves. And yes, we want you to be employed, but we want you to be empowered to succeed in every area of your life. So that is something that I can honestly say I am I'm honored to be a part of. And we stick to it. We, we definitely live by example. Yes, you know, we're tried, we're pushed, we're stretched. But guess what? If we weren't, how could we tell our, our members that if you go through this, you're going to be better afterwards? So we have to be the first example. We have to be the, the first partakers of putting the um, techniques and the tools and everything else that is strive to work to let them know that it does work if you're determined, if you're motivated, and how bad do you want it? I agree. And I'll close with this. Keisha says in the comments, the strive way is extra. That's an inside joke. And then Renee chimed in, we are extra. Uh, if you want to know what extra is about, go to careerresources.org and we'll teach you what extra is. Extra does work, as Devonna was saying. Tomorrow, we're going to try our best, and I mean try our best, to talk about networking skills as the third soft barrier that stands in the way of the job search. Ren, uh, Devonna, and Jahira, thank you for being a part of today's show, and we'll catch all you guys tomorrow. Peace. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Have you ever wondered how large nonprofits consistently generate millions of dollars? Have you ever wondered how to write the perfect grant or how to successfully manage a grant or even how to find money beyond grants? Hi, my name is Dr. William Clark, and I'm the creator and instructor of What You Should Know Before Applying for Grants. This masterclass has over 28 modules of training, and it comes with tools, tips, and tricks on how to generate significant money for your nonprofit. Some students have been fortunate enough to build six-figure programs, and others have been fortunate enough to triple their fundraising results because of this masterclass. Whatever your fundraising goals are, this masterclass can help you achieve them. To register your seat, simply go to mysixfigurefunding.com. That's mysixfigurefunding.com, and you'll be taken immediately into our student portal where you can access all of our trainings. You can take the trainings on demand, at your own pace, and at any time. You even can interact with other students and me all online from the comfort of your home or your office. If you want to secure your seat today for this masterclass, what you should know before applying for grants, simply go to mysixfigurefunding.com. Again, that's mysixfigurefunding.com. And I'm looking forward to learning with you and growing with you as you achieve your fundraising goals for your nonprofit.